What was that? <laughs> That's a Mumuzela. This is like the World Cup of podcasting here because we have a world champ guest. That's what I'm saying. All right. Hey, whatever you say, <laughs> I'll go with it. You know that. We have here today. I'm so excited, Jake. My dear friend Vikas Gail is here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, really excited to have you here. So Vikas is uh, joining us today for the thing about healthcare. Just a little bit about his background. Um, he's the vice president for client success at Whiteboard Coordinator. Um, his career has been really focused on hospital operations, but he's made a switch to the tech sector. So we're really interested to talk about kind of how those things intersect. Spent time working at the University of Chicago Medical Center and also Barnes Jewish Hospital. Um, he has a master's in healthcare administration from the Ohio State University and is a fellow of the American College of Healthcare Executives. So welcome. Glad to have you. Thank you. I'm really excited about this. I've listened to uh, a couple of the podcasts and uh and you still came. That's impressive. Yeah, well, I hope I don't derail it. You guys have some uh, impressive guests. I think this will be great. And we're looking forward to talking with you. So as we start off, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, your journey and what you're working on and what inspires you right now? Yeah, absolutely. So um, well, I'm from the Midwest, right? Born and raised in Chicago and have kind of spent most of my career between St. Louis and Chicago. Um, for about 15 years or so, I worked in academic medical centers leading almost all clinical departments, um, everything from emergency and trauma centers to laboratory services and procedural services and, and kind of a lot of the departments that fall within those reaches. I've always had an itch to, to learn as much as possible about healthcare, um, whether it's on the provider side or not. And during my tenure at University of Chicago, I had an opportunity to lead a couple of initiatives that revolved around technology and leveraging artificial intelligence. And I think that started to really pique my interest on things that are outside of true hospital care operations that can still have a, a positive impact on communities that we're trying to serve. So about two years ago, I made a jump into a healthcare startup company um, called Whiteboard Coordinator. We're actually going through a rebranding thing. So it's going to be called Artisite here uh, next week. We are a company that has developed a platform that leverages artificial intelligence. And what that means is we, we utilize a variety of different passive sensors. So whether it's cameras with computer vision or RFID, Bluetooth technology, voice recognition, we take data inputs from those passive sensors, uh, ingest it into our AI platform to produce actionable data points, all of which are used to help provide a clear roadmap for administrators and frontline leaders to solve whatever problem they were they're out to solve. Um, and currently, you know, we've had a fairly large focus with COVID around telesitting, telemonitoring, um, and leveraging AI to support clinicians on helping prevent falls and provide better communication to patients that are outside of the ICU ward as they've expanded into the med surge units, but still need kind of that ICU level care, as well as um, OR coordination, clinic coordination, two tools that we leverage heavily, computer vision to improve kind of the overall process at those environments. I'm actually curious, what made you leap from hospitals into the tech space? Because that's a pretty big decision. I know that we've talked about like, what are we doing <laughs> with life? And do we need like this career change. And then you actually went and did it. Uh, and I'm still solving the same problem from like 15 years ago. So how did you actually make that leap? Yeah. So I will say you actually just kind of hit on a big reason. You know, I felt like after 15 years, I was, you know, I had emergency medicine the entire time, right? I picked up other departments, but always had emergency medicine. 
And 15 years later, after my first day at the ED, we were solving the same problem that we were solving back then. It it gets a little frustrating um, when you feel like all you're doing is putting out fires every day and you're not able to really take a macro view of what's going on and come up with a more permanent type of solution. The way technology impacts a lot of industries, healthcare, I think, has always been a little bit more conservative on trying to utilize and leverage technology. And for me, I, I just kind of saw some writing on the wall where understanding where society is going, understanding where healthcare is going, being able to understand technology where I felt was a gap for me. So to be a more well-rounded kind of healthcare administrator, I wanted to get exposure to that. I wanted to put myself in an uncomfortable situation, learn that environment um, and see how it could help me become a stronger leader within the healthcare space. So our topic today, the thing about healthcare is its systems are stuck. Um, You know, systems we can think about in two different ways systems as in the broader healthcare system and just how we operate and then systems of course in the technological space why do you think we're stuck in our thinking and we're still doing the same stuff over and over again i hope it doesn't come across as like disparaging to healthcare leaders because i still view myself as an administrator even though i'm not in a healthcare organization but if you do take a step back and and kind of put feelings aside you know you really think about healthcare is unique in that we really only seem to accept folks and leaders that have done the same thing we've done or grown up in the same environment we've done. You have your like groups or your gangs, if you will. And so if somebody from a community setting comes into an academic setting as a leader, there was always, at least where I've worked, there was always this conversation of, well, this person's never led in academics. Can they really lead here? And vice versa, if you move from academics to community it really seemed like we only fostered or supported people that were either a frontline nurse with us and then moved up the ranks or were a frontline administrator and then moved up the ranks. And I think that's a huge reason why we are stuck in in our manner of how we think. Healthcare administrators generally have not done anything else outside of healthcare. They've worked very hard. They've moved up the ranks appropriately, get some amazing things accomplished, but they only know healthcare. I think it's rare for an executive to come from the outside world, right? You may see it in strategy or finance, But I don't know of a COO that's come outside of healthcare that has come to run a large academic ship or a large community system. And so I think there's a different aspect and a different way of thinking when you have a more well-rounded approach to how other sectors have uh, approached problems that are very similar to what healthcare faces. Um, Managing costs, improving margins, that's not unique to healthcare. And yet we seem to always be stuck on trying to do the same thing over and over again to, to improve those aspects of it. And so if you've only seen one aspect, it's tough to reinvent yourself and think outside of what you've always done. Follow any other industry, any other company, and they have CEOs or COOs or CFOs that go from different industries, you know, will jump from manufacturing to, you know, retail or or whatever it may be. And for us, it's like, if you weren't a frontline administrator managing, you know, difficult staff, you have no right to be a a VP or something like that is kind of the, the feeling that I always had. I don't know if you guys experienced that or not, but it just, I think that's a big reason why we can't be more forward thinking on the operational side. Like the clinical side is absolutely amazing, right? the the advancements that can happen. But I think that's different because, you know, these scientists that network and are incentivized, I think, to be innovative on some of these things. But on the administrative side, we kind of get stuck in our own way. You know, for me, I I always thought about what was really challenging when I was in the ED and, and procedural areas, like it was enough just to get through the day, let alone being able to take a step back and think about, hey, how can I improve what's going on in the environment? 
healthcare is stuck also because of finances, right? We struggle with being able to, if you don't have a clear ROI, are you able to actually move forward with those initiatives? When margins are tight, cost continues to increase, it's tough to sometimes get resources allocated to things that don't have an immediate ROI on an initiative that you're trying to push forward with. You know, I, I view healthcare almost like a, a dinosaur, right? Folks are scared to be on the cutting edge of certain types of technologies. Um, and rightfully so. They're managing patients' lives, individuals' lives. This is not something that you can take lightly. But I think it's tough for folks to do something different outside of the norm if their peers are not doing it um, and for them to be the first one kind of on the ledge saying, let's try something new. So to me, I think it's really amazing if you do think about healthcare, you think about the clinical advancements that have happened over the last you know 100 years between heart transplants, oncology breakthroughs, and even now more recently, the speed at which we're coming up with vaccines to, to manage this pandemic. And so it is amazing what healthcare can do, but I think if we continue to focus on the minute problems that, that are in front of us and are not able to take a step back and think about how we improve the infrastructure and the backbone of our healthcare organizations, it's going to be tough to really be able to make that leap forward and get out of how we normally think about doing things. Are there any kind of skill sets that you would identify that rise to the top more in one or the other or kind of cut across working in tech versus working in a delivery system? So my experience is around academics. So I feel like a big skill set in academics is conflict management and negotiating between a multitude of stakeholders to get initiatives accomplished. In the tech space, and again, it's limited for my experience, but in the two years I've been here, I think what's really been interesting is everyone seems to be moving in the same direction, at least at our organization. And you have to be proactive. You have to question the status quo. So I I think sometimes you can get in this lull when you're in healthcare operations, because again, you're just putting out fires every day. And in the environment I'm in now, there's an expectation that you're questioning, why are we doing things the certain way? Why aren't we trying to uh, reinvent ourselves, utilize technology to make things easier or better or quicker, whatever that may be? And, And there's a conscious effort around that. I think you need to have a lot more patience in, in the tech world. So our environment, being a smaller team, we move quickly. But when we start engaging with healthcare clients, things start to move at a much slower pace. So having that patience and working through the processes that all healthcare organizations have, you know, in itself can be challenging, but it's something that you got to you have to be mindful of. I don't know what you're talking about. I think that's just <laughs> that's total that's a totally foreign concept to me at least. I don't know about you Pradeepta. No, we're totally easy to work with yeah. and fast moving. You're slow. We make decisions <laughs> on a dime and we just are moving forward all the time. So <laughs> <laughs> and I think the things that come across, you know, I, I wouldn't say is unique to healthcare operations or health healthcare startup companies or tech companies. It's it's really, you know, being able to have a positive energy, positive output, really understanding why we're here, ensuring that you're linked with the mission of the organization is critical, um, whether that's providing service to your community or providing some sort of outcomes. Um, I think having that intrinsic value of why you're part of that organization and trying to preach that every day, I think is critical and helpful too. You know, one of the things that I appreciate and maybe want to probe on a little bit is you said, you know, one of the things that is important and kind of expected within your organization is questioning and asking, how do we reinvent? So tell us what needs to be reinvented from your perspective. What in the healthcare system really needs to be disruptive and what, how can technology help us do that? Yeah. So and I don't want this to be about the company I work for. I will say we're unique in that um, most of us are either have been practicing clinicians. So our CEO is a practicing clinician. Our COO was an administrator. I was an administrator. 
So we have a lot of folks that have worked in the healthcare space, and I think think about their challenges that they faced or are currently facing as we start to develop our solutions on, on improving the environment. When we think about what really needs to be disrupted, I think a big aspect of what needs to happen is really focusing on the productivity paradigm in healthcare and leveraging AI for this. You know, productivity at its simplest form is just really a ratio of revenue over cost. If you really want to impact your bottom line and improve your margins, you know, there's a couple of levers you can pull to do that in a very dramatic fashion. There's a, a well-renowned clinician out in Hopkins, Becker Pronovost, and he, he had an article about productivity and health affairs a couple of years ago. And a big tagline from him out, out of that was, if you can get healthcare productivity to grow by 4%, you would solve all of the healthcare cost problem that, that we continue to, to debate about. And this really comes from, if you look at the United States and the different sectors, it's really interesting. If you look at productivity and employment growth, Healthcare is vastly unique compared to the other sectors out there, right? So we we recognize flat growth year over year, so a little bit above 2%. We're the only sector that has negative productivity growth, so minus 0.6% year over year, but yet our employment growth is above 3%. And so what that says is all we're continuing to do is throw more and more people at a problem and, and really just trying to keep up with the work that we were doing the year before. Not to say people are doing the wrong thing. It, there's a lot of factors that play into this, right? Healthcare in itself is inherently bureaucratic, and there's a lot of regulation, um, and understandably so. But I think it speaks to the greatest challenge that healthcare leaders are facing, which is how do you do more with the less resources you have available? And I think this is where technology has to be involved, right? This is where you have to start thinking about how can tech help supplement your processes, augment your processes so that we can start to improve that productivity. You know, we've looked at financials at some large academic institutions as we've engaged in, in work. And it's interesting when you look at most academic places, a 1% productivity increase is the same as a 12% revenue generation or 18% um, reduction in, in uncollectible bills, right? So think about 12% revenue gain year over year. The, the only time that really happens is if you're building a new service line or a new facility. 18% reduction in what you get from, you know, the insurance companies that are holding back from you is damn near impossible. That's not going to happen. But 1% improvement in, in productivity equates to the same amount of dollars to the bottom line. And so where do you want to spend your time, energy, and effort seems like a no-brainer from the outside. It's really how do you go ahead and leverage technology to support your teams so that we can, as a system, become more productive. Yeah. Anybody who works in a healthcare organization is it's, um, but doing budgets for the next year is that, I mean, it's always, how are we cutting the budget? Where are you going to cut? Where are you going to save? Um, and, 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 and if we're not addressing the productivity side of the equation, it's, we can, and continue to cut and cut and cut, but how are we really delivering value? So that's really interesting. From a cost perspective, in the current way that we're reimbursed, right, productivity is actually kind of the means to get there. And we've talked about this forever. I don't really understand how we get to 100% of a model where we're talking about value-based healthcare. What are your thoughts about either what's out there currently from a technological perspective or where we need to be headed with technology to really help facilitate that? Because ultimately, I think healthcare's mission needs to be to improve health and maybe not constantly be addressing kind of these acute care needs that I think healthcare leverages to some extent to get reimbursed and pay for all this expense. You know, I think that's where productivity can, it almost seems like it has a bad connotation because there's been such a focus on 
with lean principles and, and a, a vast amount of other things about how do you get more widgets through your system. So whether that's more patience or, or whatever. I think when, I, when I've been referring to productivity, it's not necessarily just that how do you get more patients through your ambulatory center or how do you get more patients through your emergency department or operating rooms, right? It's from a productivity standpoint, how are you getting your clinicians to do value-added work? So how are you getting them to actually spend more time with the patient, right? How are they managing truly that individual's health and all of their needs and not just in mute episodic situation that happens to just patch them up, get them back out on the street, and then five months later, they're, they're back with even a larger issue. Productivity really is how are you freeing up that clinician to do clinical work and not get bogged down with the other things that truly technology is fantastic at that other industries have completely perfected, yet we feel healthcare is different and we shouldn't be doing that. Simple things as documentation of when patients enter and leave operating rooms or checking in people into the clinic, right? Things like that that can delay processes, delay individuals or have errors in your process are things that can be completely automated and augmented with artificial intelligence. Um, and that frees the clinician up to not have to be doing some of that non-clinical work or paperwork and really spend time on managing that patient. You ask any doctor, you know, in their clinic, they have 10, 15 minute visits. If 90% of that time is spent behind the computer documenting stuff versus talking to them, how many of them would switch that paradigm and say, if I could just spend 95% of my time talking to them, and only have to document 5%, every single one of them is going to jump at that. And there are ways to do that. There is technology that can help augment and supplement that. And that improves productivity. It doesn't mean you're pushing more people through. It's you're making your individual staff productive at what they are licensed or trained to do. You talked a little bit about AI. You've mentioned artificial intelligence a couple of times. I think there's probably a misconception of what artificial intelligence is. What is that compared to use of data in decision making? AI or you know artificial intelligence, it's in its simplest form is just training a computer to replicate something. I think I think it was Google that I mean talk about waste of resources. They trained a computer to be able to pick out cats on the internet. So like they just fed <laughs> billions of images and videos to be able to identify a cat. That's probably the easiest way to think of what artificial intelligence is. And, and like machine learning, which is a branch of AI, is really saying, I have this computer, let me feed it algorithms of understanding a certain component. So if you want to be able to um, identify a stop sign, you would feed this machine thousands and thousands or millions of pictures of a stop sign. It would learn what does a stop sign actually look like so that next time it sees an image that's put in front of it, you're not telling it's a stop sign, it's able to pick it out. And so if you do that from a clinical standpoint um, and in clinical operations, there's a vast amount of, of opportunities of what you could do. Simple things like wheels in, wheels out. Having a nurse record that is not a good use of that you know, highly skilled individual teaching a computer to just have a camera in a room to be able to see when wheels in, wheels out are are happening in an operating room, which impacts billing is something that's very trainable and, and feasible and doable. And so when you think about feeding data to a, a machine that is leveraging artificial intelligence, it's, it's going to produce a very similar outset of here's what the data is telling us. But the difference is it's able to do it with a much larger data set at a much higher speed with significantly higher accuracy of what you're trying to get out of it. And so what you're able to get out of this is a clear roadmap of the data that your system produces to be able to come up with actionable items, how you want to move over. 
organizations that have utilized AI to manage data and are successful at it are like your Amazons and Googles, right? They have they know how to leverage big data to impact their scale. And companies that can do this are poised to be the ones that are transformational in this 21st century. It's just, it's interesting sitting back on this side and realizing there are healthcare organizations that truly partner with these large data companies. And you see that they're the ones that are going to be poised to be successful and managing through a lot of the challenges that healthcare faces, right? If you are able to work with a company or an organization or internally bring that into your healthcare organization where you are able to be nimble around your data, you have a much better chance of being able to handle the curveballs that come your way. Yeah, we have tons of data. I mean, and I think obviously, in electronic medical records are not new anymore. They've been around for a long time and that's, you know, one stream of data. But, you know, I at least personally hadn't really been thinking as much about that there are all these other types of, I guess, activity that is occurring within organizations that, you know, we are collecting data, but probably not in any sort of systematized way. I think I have experience with facility services and, you know, we have housekeepers that when they go clean a room, they have to go and type something on a screen and say, okay, now I'm cleaning the room. And then, okay, now I'm done cleaning the room. But I mean, it still is requiring a you know, an employee to engage versus those opportunities to automate, which I really hadn't ever thought about, you know, how, how can we start to automate some of these things? Um, so I'm, I'm intrigued if there's, you know, if you have other thoughts or things that you're working on, what are these areas that are kind of ripe for this? I know automation can kind of be a dirty word, so there may be a better word for it than automation, but what are the other spaces that you guys are looking at? Yeah. And I don't even think automation is a bad word, right? I think this is where we have to get out of how we are like we've grown up within healthcare, right? So healthcare has a dearth of data. It's unbelievable the amount of data. The problem is, you know, it's kind of garbage in, garbage out. So if, you know, if you're a housekeeper and you get tracked on how many, how quickly you're cleaning a room, there's the incentives don't align properly there, right? (laughs) You're not going to be honest and say, it took me twice as long to clean this room. And so then as a leader, if that's the data you're pulling off of to determine staffing levels and where resources need to go, you're not armed with the best kind of data. And so this isn't just about my company, but in general, when you look at other industries, a lot of these things is is how are you how are you allowing people, whatever their skill set is, whatever their job is, to focus on that and not have to do something else to provide data inputs that make impacts to their job? Because the incentives are never going to be aligned there. The more passive you can be about data capture, the cleaner it's going to be. I'm not going to name the company, but there's a system most hospitals use where they require clinicians to push buttons on the wall to trigger kind of the next set of notifications that need to go on. You're requiring the nurse to think about something else outside of taking care of the patient. How often is that going to happen? And the first time somebody doesn't respond after they push that button, how likely is it that they're going to continue to do that kind of set of work? And if you work with companies that use more passive type of technology where the clinician just gets to continue to do what they're working on or the housekeeper continues to do what they need to work on and you're able to automate the data that's coming from that, you get not only a much cleaner data set, but back to Pradeepta's point of where value is, you're spending more time doing what you were kind of expected to do or what you were hired to do. And if it's for the clinical side, you're spending more time with the patient or the patient's family, which is absolutely value add to the entire process. Yeah. I that's I that makes so much sense, but it's it's runs so counter, I think, to what we talk about a lot of times. You know, there's it's a tired phrase in healthcare, but if you didn't document it, you didn't do it. And so we have all these people that spend massive amounts of their day 
oh, I got to go sit at the computer and remember to document all the stuff. And I think that's, you know, uh, I always, uh, when you're out on a well, nursing floor, you know, the nurses are walking around with their little piece of paper of the, well, that's my brain. That's where I make all my notes. So then when I go sit down in the computer to do all my documentation, I don't forget what it is I need to document. And it's like, that's crazy that we're, I mean, that's, we, we the, the intent is to do this stuff in real time for safety and, and all those things, but we don't make it easy for staff to do it. <laughs> so think about how dysfunctional, like our system <laughs> has been created in healthcare. We are forced to have like scribes, mm-hmm. right? The people that are truly just sitting there and dictating what you are saying because we have such a convoluted process around how you have to manage with conflict resolution, how you have to bill, how you may get sued later on, all these things that make no sense around, are we developing a system and a structure to provide value to patients? Or are we just doing a lot of different things because different regulations have come up over time and we've never taken a step back to say, how is this improving the overall environment, mm-hmm. right? And so scribes, again, I've worked with them. They're fantastic people and, and super motivated and, and have a high skill set. But you know, there's technology out there that is there another industry you can think of where you actually have somebody next to you just documenting everything you're doing all day versus leveraging voice recognition or other types of technology that are absolutely accurate and can document in real time or do what you need in real time from that standpoint. And then think about the resources that can be allocated elsewhere if you're not having to spend it on things that maybe are not viewed as true value add. I'm laughing so hard because of course we all know these examples, but when you put it that way, yeah. <laughs> we're just a bunch of yahoos. <laughs> like I totally get it. And it's like, let's, and, it, and you said this earlier, it's like our solution is, well, let's get another person to help this person rather than solve the problem. Negative productivity, but massive employee growth. I think we've all been in a situation where we're looking at the data and we're saying, well, these data can't be right. We need to make sure that people, let's let's track how people are documenting these data so that we're sure that it's real and then we can use that to make decisions. So I just, I'm reflecting on this and just, I want to crawl under the desk in the fetal position and just stay there for the rest of the day. So thank you, Vikas. <laughs> awesome. Um, I bet if I logged into my email in this moment, I would find at least 20 people who have reached out from various companies to say, hey, we can help you with this. We can help you with that. It is overwhelming to kind of take a step back and even start to understand how do I evaluate all of the technology that's out there and how do I really think about greatest bang for the buck? What advice would you perhaps give for those of us who are certainly wanting to make these strides in you know, creating more efficient automated workflows? And like, where do we even begin to start thinking about evaluation of technology and how it can actually help us truly solve the problem? It is really impressive to see the amount of startups that are out there, but also well-defined organizations. You know, there's a lot of hospitals and health systems that are now, you know, have venture arms and are partnering with startups and things like that. They're starting to see the value of um, entrepreneurial talent that's out there that are trying to solve a problem. But as an administrator who is leading multiple departments and leading an organization, I think trying to focus on what is the true problem that you're trying to solve for and how do you define what that looks like? And what is the outcome that you feel would be, you would step back and say, this was a, su- a success. We implemented this and to solve this problem. And here's what it looks like now afterwards. Um, I, I think, you know, all organizations have their own processes of how they evaluate and how they relinquish kind of resources. And the management of day-to-day things are always going to be front and center and will always get funded appropriately. It's 
How do you have a voice at that table to take a step back and think strategically? What are we trying to solve for to, to make our environment more innovative and, and better overall? And so being able to align that problem statement with the allocation of resources is, is important and critical. I think once you know what your problem statement is, there's, it, it's quite easy to see what companies can actually deliver on that, right? Whether they've worked with other clients that are in the similar a peer group as you, uh, you know, being able to have them do point uh, POCs, so proof of concepts, and make sure that their technology works, things like that. You'd be amazed at how flexible technology companies are to be able to get in and actually work with uh, a healthcare organization, show good value in what they're able to, to do, because it's just as important for them as it is for you. You've obviously accomplished a lot, and I'm learning from your reflections on these differences between industry. Um, I don't know if you ever have an interest in going back into hospital operations, but you know, if you were to go back into hospital operations in a senior leadership role, you know, how would you lead differently? Putting all of your experience together, what are some of those lessons learned that you would share and maybe help those of us who are still trying to figure it out? Like I fall into a lot of the traps that I was criticizing earlier, right? So hey, we need to get we need to do better. Track how quickly you're turning these rooms around. Well, I mean, things like that where I, I think I will have a much different and better perspective on how I'm addressing problems. Uh, it's not to say that I would just automatically reach out to technology to say that's going to fix everything and let's start spending all of our resources towards that. But I do feel like I'm, I'm looking at problems in a much different light than I did before because I've had the luxury of being kind of away from the day-to-day fires that you're having to put away. And so I think being able to get back into that environment, I think I would have the ability to just take a step back and have a little bit more of a macro 30,000 kind of square foot view of what's going on and being able to approach the problems in that manner. And ideally, you know, you are solving problems with your team and, and coming up with removing waste and adding value, but also bringing in technology to be a part of that conversation to see what what is out there to help make our processes more efficient, what can help our staff be more productive um, and spend more time with the clinicians uh, and, and leverage kind of the expertise that's outside of healthcare to help improve the healthcare operations. I feel like that was an interview question. She's making notes. So HR is going to call. I am taking notes. I told you they're going to call you in like 10 minutes. The comment to, that you made about um, you know, we are, we're taking, we're having systems and processes that require our staff to think about other things than taking care of patients or providing service. And so we need to think differently about technology that it's not an additive on top of, but I think like you were saying, Pradeepta, how can we make, how can we free them up to do the value added work? Um, so I, I like that thinking differently about value. And, and I think also just this mindset to me about, you know, how are we asking questions and how are we asking ourselves the questions to prompt that reinvention of the system? Um, and because it can't just be additive. I think that's one of the things we've talked about a lot on this episode and on different episodes. It's just we can't continue to add on more, add on more more people, more cost, more burden onto the system, we need to think differently about reinventing. So um, I think this has been really thought provoking. So thank you. You know, being able to make the leap and ultimately you actually have a perspective that could disrupt healthcare, which is what we're kind of trying to figure out and what we're all about. So I, I appreciate that perspective that you bring and what you're doing with your career to kind of learn something new. And maybe you don't have that career end in mind, like what you want to do. But I think this is all incredibly valuable to really make the changes that we need to see. 
That's our studio audience. All of us clapping. We have a lame studio (laughs) audience of like two people then. They're socially distanced audience members. It's fantastic. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us. And we're so grateful for our audience who continues on this journey with us. And so thank you for being here with us today. And that's all we have. Okay, bye-bye. Don't forget to subscribe.